welcome to Wesley Union, a bi-weekly podcast from Studio Wesley that highlights the voices of different campus ministers and leaders in the United Methodist Church. Today we'll be hearing from the Reverend Dr. Latricia Scriven, campus minister at FAMU Wesley and pastor at New Life Church in Tallahassee, Florida. All right, everybody, welcome again to New Life United Methodist Church where there's always new hope for a new beginning. I am Pastor Latricia, and guess what? It is table flipping time, table flipping time. And the scripture is going to come from Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 18. And it reads, And they came to Jerusalem, And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he, we're talking about Jesus, was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. His table Flipping time. God, let us become more aware of your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit in this place. May something happen today that transforms our hearts and minds so that we can be better disciples for you and for the transformation of the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, (laughs) y'all. It's table flipping time. So let me tell you, um, I got up today and, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm ready. I've studied the scripture. I know exactly what I want to say. And when I tell you this morning, this scripture hit me just a little bit differently. And I was on my way to the church. I was driving to the church because that's usually where I, you know, sit behind the sacred desk and calm the sacred desk in my office, y'all, and and calm myself and get ready and get prepared and begin to pray. And um, I had done that. And, you know, I was in a mood and in a mode and I logged in. And there was no internet access. (laughs) I do not know what happened, but the internet did not work. I said, Lord God, it is after 10. I live not close. I got to drive all the way back home to make sure that we can get to this broadcast on time. And so you know what that tells me? That is table flipping time. Amen. (laughs) All right. So I'm going to try to calm down just a little bit. Those who know me know that sometimes I get a little bit crunk. But I'm excited because as I sat down and read, and I was just going to focus on Mark 11, 15 through 18, 
And I began to read the scripture in a different kind of way. And I started from the beginning as I generally do and read to the end. And I need to tell you that I think that Mark chapter 11 is my new favorite gospel chapter. Mark chapter 11 is my new favorite gospel chapter. And let me tell you why. Sometimes I find myself in a mood (laughs) and I can't tell you exactly why or what. I'm in the mood for justice. I'm in the mood for change. I'm in the mood to change systems and watch institutions shift in a different kind of way. And when I'm in that mood, I feel like that the only thing to do is to go full speed ahead or full steam ahead, whichever way you say it, and nothing can get in the way of what needs to happen and take place. So when I began to engage Mark 11, it's table flipping time, I entered with that mood. And so I'm going to be honest, I don't know if Jesus was in a mood. (laughs) I don't know if the writer of Mark was in a mood. I don't know if I was just in a mood when I read it, but something else shaped for me what was going on. So let me set it for you just quickly before we get to the table flipping. Mark 11 begins in verse one. It says, when they were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany near the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village ahead of you. And immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this, the Lord needs it and we'll send it back here immediately. So that's move number one. Jesus tells the disciples, look, I know the coat is there. I know it's never been ridden. Somebody may ask you some questions. Don't even worry about it. Just tell them I need it. Bring me that coat because we have some work to do. They'll get it back. So I kept reading. And, you know, Jesus goes on in, he's on the colt and people are shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the name, uh, the one who comes in the name of the Lord. You know, usually we um, preach this right around Easter, just before Easter. And then the scripture says that he entered chapter 11 or verse 11, Jerusalem went into the temple when he had looked around at everything as it was already late. He went out to Bethany with the 12. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry. I just need to set this mood. He was hungry. Seeing in a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see whether perhaps he would find anything on it. When he came to it, He found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. So Jesus is hungry. He sees the fig tree. He wants something to eat, but he gets there and all there are are leaves. Why? The writer of Mark says, because it wasn't even the season for figs. But what does Jesus do? In verse 14, he said to it. 
may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Now, what happens is he goes into the temple. We're going to get to that and flips over the tables. And when he comes out, they see this fig tree. And it says in verse 20, the fig tree had withered away to its roots. I said, now, Jesus, <laughs> I know you're hungry. What kind of mood does the person need to be in? And again, I'm saying maybe I'm in the mood that you're hungry. You see the figs, you want some figs, you curse the tree. It wasn't the tree's fault that it wasn't the season to produce figs. But nevertheless, I feel like Jesus is saying, you know what, tree? You need to be ready in season <laughs> and out of season. You don't get to just bear fruit in certain times. We need to be bearing fruit if I'm the tree at all times. But let me keep going. So after he's been inside the temple and they see that the tree has withered away to its roots, Jesus tells them to have faith in God and he talks to the disciples and they come again to Jerusalem, verse 27. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and scribes and the elders came to him and they said, Jesus, by what authority are you doing these things? Who gave you the authority to do them? Again, we're setting the mood. And Jesus said, let me ask you one question. Answer me this and I'll tell you <laughs> by what authority that I'm doing it. He said, did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it from human origin? He said, answer me. And I can imagine Jesus is looking at them square in the face eyeball to eyeball and saying, you don't get the benefit of me answering your question until you answer mine. And they look among themselves and they say, well, if we answer this way, then he might say this. If we answer this way, he might say this. So they're arguing, arguing with each other. And finally, they say, Jesus, we don't know. <laughs> And then Jesus says to them, well, neither will I tell you by what authority <laughs> I do these things. If you can't answer my question, I'm not going to answer yours because maybe you can't even handle the truth. If I told you, you would not understand it anyway. This is the mood that I find Jesus in, in Mark chapter 11. And so I've been wrestling with the scripture because when we go back to verse 15, it's table flipping time. It says, and they came to Jerusalem. He entered and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. When I began to meditate on this and ask myself questions and read some of what other people had written, I realized that it wasn't simply that the money changers did not have any reason to be there. 
In fact, there was a need for the money changers because when people came and wanted to present coins and as offering and give to the temple, the offering had to be of a certain type. And often the everyday coins that were used had images that were pressed on them. And these were not seen as acceptable sacrifices or, or offerings unto the Lord because um, of the images that were presented. And so really the money changers had to be there to exchange the currency for the people. Kind of like when we go into a different country and we need to use their currency, that is what was going on. And so many people say, well, they were cheating people. They weren't doing right. And that could be the case that it was a system of usury and a system of cheating. Maybe the scripture does not say that. So that is an inference. It also says that people were buying and selling animals. Again, there was place for this to happen because as people are going to enter into the temple, sacrifices are being offered up to the Lord. And if I don't have anything with me, I know that I can buy it here. So then I said, well, what is the problem? What is actually happening that Jesus is angry about and decides to flip over the tables? And so I had to read a little further. And it says, and as he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written? My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. I thought to myself, Jesus is quoting something because it's in quotes. I need to go back to the context so perhaps I can have more understanding of what Jesus is trying to get at. So he quotes actually from Isaiah 56, and we're going to put it up really quickly. And it says, let not the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord say the Lord will surely separate me from his people. Let not the eunuch say, behold, I am a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the foreigners who joined themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord and to be his servant, everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it, and holds fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted at my altar. And here it is, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. What I believe is happening here is Jesus is quoting the prophet 
Isaiah, who is making a declaration that even though we have seen a system where only certain people have been allowed access to God, the Jewish people, the children of Israel, who did a certain kind of thing, he is already prophesying of a time when everyone will have equal access. He said, my house will be a house of prayer for all people. Studio Wesley exists to curate authentic and informed content that connects with college-aged young adults on their journeys of spiritual and personal discovery. We seek to build a community rooted in faith that values an open, inclusive, and expansive table where all are welcomed, respected, and loved without reservation or exception. We endeavor to do this by providing space for college students to share their journeys with one another and for leaders in the church to offer their perspective and guidance through blogs, podcasts, videos, and other forms of media. One of the primary ways we do this is through our weekly discussion video, Studio Wesley Annex. Studio Wesley Annex is a conversation between four campus ministers, including today's speaker, from the Florida Conference of the United Methodist Church about that week's liturgical checks. To find out more about Studio Wesley Annex and Studio Wesley, visit studiowesley.org. Thank you for joining us as we all continue to explore what online campus ministry looks like today. Patricia, what's the problem? I'll tell you what the problem is. When we look at the way the temple was set up, a lot of times when we think of the temple, we think like our churches, that it's just a little church and that you go into it. But we have to imagine that this is an entire compound, y'all. Inside, we talk about where the priest goes and there's a section just for them, the holies of holy. Right. And then outside of that is an inner court and the inner court. Only certain people were allowed. Some of those who are privileged, those who were male, those who were the leaders. And then you had the outer court where the women and children of Jewish descent could be. They couldn't go into the inner court, inner court, but they could be in the outer court. And then still as part of the inside of the gates of the temple, we had the courtyard of the Gentiles. And in this courtyard of the Gentiles, this is where we understand that the money changers are. This is where we understand that the people are buying and selling the animals. The issue is that the scripture says, This temple is going to be a house of prayer for all people. And so I'm not mad at the system that had segregated, if you will, sections of the temple, because that's just a part of where they were at that time as we are looking forward to a new season and God doing a new thing. The issue is, that we have people that won't do in their own spaces what they are willing to do in the places of others. So we have the money changers 
We have the people that are buying and selling. They're doing it in the courtyard of Gentiles and making this about commerce and making this about something other than a space of prayer. I wonder if the Gentiles were even able to pray. The Gentiles, the eunuchs, the people who were thought to be unclean, all were welcome in this space, but now we have animals and we got droppings and it's dirty and it's nasty and the hustle and bustle. So what it was meant to accomplish, be accomplished, could not be accomplished because we had people who were in essence saying their lives don't matter. Their ability to access the Lord through prayer doesn't matter. And I may not be saying with words that it doesn't matter, but I'm saying with my actions and the things that I'm willing to do in this space that I haven't done in other spaces. I told you that I drove to the church this morning. I had to come back home. So I'm sitting at home and I was deeply aware that as I'm entering the south side of Tallahassee, I saw a lot of pawn shops. I saw a lot of um, money exchange places, you know, payday loans. I saw a lot of liquor stores. I saw a lot of all kinds of things that are on the south side that are in other parts of town. And it reminded me of how we are willing to do things in one area that we will not do in other spaces. We commodify lives. We actuarialize Lives. Sometimes lives become just money and a way for us to obtain wealth. We do some things that we may not be willing to do in our own neighborhoods. So in this courtyard, we're willing to dirty up the area and sell pigeons and doves and all kinds of other things and let them have droppings that we won't do in our own spaces. We're willing to ignore police brutality in certain neighborhoods that we know that we would not allow in others. We may not care that certain areas do not have access to proper nourishment and that they become food insecure Because as long as my space in my area is okay, then I'm not concerned. We don't worry ourselves about what's happening in school systems across towns because that's the courtyard of the Gentiles. As long as I can find myself in the inner court, I'm not even thinking about the impact on these other groups that are being marginalized and even exploited by the things that I do. And so I wonder if that's why Jesus flipped the tables. Not just because they may have been cheating people, but Jesus's words quoted the words of the prophet that said, my 
house shall be a house of prayer for all people, for everybody. And y'all, I'm grateful for what I'm seeing happening today is because we have voices rising up saying that everybody needs to have the same kinds of access in these systems and in our institutions and where there is not equal access. <laughs> we got some tables that need to be flipped. <laughs> My husband ain't home. I can't flip this table, y'all. I'm sitting at a big old table. I don't want this computer to be messed up, but we have some tables that need to be flipped. It is up to us to seek out the tables and to change the paradigm. And this is consistent with everything that Jesus always does. Jesus comes to flip scripts and tables. He says things like the last shall be first and the first shall be last. He says things like the greatest among you shall be the least. He says things like even though the poor will be with you always, there are some things that's happening with the poor that's not happening with the rich because it's going to be hard for some people to enter into the kingdom. The, the scripture tells us that Jesus promotes a gospel that says the things that we looked at as honor are shame and the things that were seen as shameful, I will bring honor to. Jesus is in a whole mood, y'all, before he even goes into the temple. Sometimes we need to be in a mood so that we can look at the systems and we can have the courage to flip over the tables and declare that this house is going to be a house of prayer for all people. And why do I say you need the courage? Let me, let me go back to the scripture in Mark 11 and verse 18, it says, and when the chief priests and scribes heard it, <laughs> they kept looking for a way to kill him. I know I'm going a little long y'all, but bear with me. And when the chief priests and scribes heard it, they kept looking for a way to kill him for they were afraid of him because the whole crowd was spellbound by his teaching. Don't be fooled and think that everybody that's reading how to be anti-racist, everybody that's reading White Fragility, everybody that's looking at some of the movies like 13th, everybody that's engaging in this work, don't be fooled and think that everybody's on the same side. We need to understand that as the tables begin to be flipped, there are some people in high places that will seek to destroy you. But as we open in the song, it says, hold on. A change is coming. Hold on. Don't worry about a thing. And that's really all that I have for you today is for you to understand that Jesus is inviting us <laughs> to the table. And a lot of times we think that Jesus is only inviting us to the table where we will feast with the Lord. We're being invited to that table. and We're also being invited into a table flipping ministry. So I asked you, 
What as I bring Minister Streeter in? What tables? Glory. Are you being asked to flip over for the Lord? Yeah. What tables <laughs> is God calling you? Are God calling you to flip over? This yeah. is the word of God for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Wesley Union. We hope you enjoyed it. We would like to extend a special thanks to today's speaker, as well as our production team, Troy Argon Buchanan, Sarah Taylor, and Derek Scott III. My name is Allison Corwin, and thank you for listening to Wesley Union, a Studio Wesley offering powered by Campus to City Wesley. 